0: You are listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show featuring two completely opposite longtime friends. I'm Carrie, and I bring the practical Buzzkill vibe to this partnership. And I'm Amy. I tend to be upbeat and social, and some people like Carrie say that I am a little overly enthusiastic. Just a smidge.
1: Each week we have Bookner conversations with each other and sometimes a special guest. We not only talk about what we're reading, but also book adjacent
0: topics such as stuff we've had to Google while reading, new titles on our TBR lists, film adaptations that we've seen, and other bookish news. At the end of our shows, you'll have new books to put on your nightstand and a laugh or two along the way.
1: At the start of summer, we like to chat with Sam Miller, bookseller and manager at Carmichael's Bookstore here in Louisville. We actually like to chat with Sam anytime, but she has especially useful information about new books twice a year. Sam does the heavy lifting this week by telling us what is coming out and might be good for our and your
0: TBR lists. But first... You have been taking lots of naps I have. On, on your deck. Don't you get hot and sweaty out there on your deck taking
1: naps? Uh, well, it's a covered deck. It's covered. We have a fan. We have lots of trees. So
0: not really. Okay. I so mean, you can you take know, a really good nap out can there. can take a nap out there.
1: And depending, you know, like, I'm not going to necessarily go out there when it's 95 degrees and really humid, but it's it's been quite lovely the hmm. three days this, this past week that I did take a nap out there, so
0: well that's living it up in the summer it reminds me of in the south a lot of times i talk about sleeping porches Mm -hmm. where you know you could put like this hammock bed or something out there and sleep out there at night i always thought it was usually like a a covered a covered porch but also maybe an an enclosed porch right right and it always screened in that's the word i'm looking for i always thought that sounded really cool so you kind of have that going on i do a little bit yeah yeah,
1: so that's what I've been doing, napping. That's probably going to be the, the highlight of, well, okay, maybe not the highlight of my summer, but, you know, I, I keep a pretty low profile. I don't well, do a whole lot. So. I
0: mean, to me, naps, like, rank right up there is one of the most enjoyable things that you can do in <laughs> oh, an
1: afternoon. I, oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree that they are. I just, you know, just in terms of having a lot to, to talk about, you know, I'm normally pretty dull. And I'm going to be even more dull this summer because I'm just going to nap a lot. So
0: you, oh, okay. though, you're like a comedy groupie. That's what you're becoming. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I've always liked comedy, stand up comedy, improv comedy, all of that. Until recently, there was a comedy venue here in Louisville. but And I'd been a couple times. I wasn't super crazy about it. I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give them bad vibes. but. I had heard recently that there are two new comedy venues in town that are downtown and we're getting some pretty big names in. And so I decided I wanted to give it a try. So my husband and I last weekend went to see a comic that is fairly well known. And I will say I wasn't particularly crazy about the main act. I thought the the opening act was pretty good. Uh, but even though I wasn't super crazy about the comic we saw, I really liked the venue. Like, I thought that the the club itself was really nice. The service was really good. They had really good drinks. And I thought, this is kind of a fun way to spend, you know, an evening. And I want to try to support them because I'd like, you know, I'd like to keep it in town. So then, like, early last week, they sent me an email saying, hey, thanks for coming to our show. We'd like to offer you some free tickets to another show. And I think that they are probably shows that they hadn't filled up enough. So they're offering, you know, free tickets. Now that's slightly misleading because yes, you don't have to pay the ticket for the entry fee, but there is a two item minimum for each person, whether it be like a soda, you know, an alcoholic beverage, food of some sort. So it's not like it's completely free. You still have to, you know, order beverages and snacks. But we decided to to do that. And so we went last night, which happened to be our anniversary, 29 years, I figured Ooh. out. Yeah. That sounds like old. Now, I guess if I figure I have a 25-year-old child, it makes sense. But still, that sounds like a lot. It a is a lot. A lot of years. That's a yeah. lot. That's a yeah. lot. But we went with some friends of ours last night and went to dinner ahead of time, and it was a lot of fun. And and that one was kind of a one-off. We weren't planning on going to that, but we're going again in a couple of weeks with some friends. Oh, my friends. gosh. Now, this, the, the the one that I'm going to in a couple of weeks was the one that I had booked first because oh, okay. it's a bigger... I, these other two were just sort of kind of spur-of-the-moment things. The one I'm going to in a couple weeks is Tim Meadows. I don't know if you've heard of Uh, him. He was on SNL. He was on Goldbergs. He's been on lots of different sitcoms. He is coming to the Louisville Comedy Club um, in a few weeks. So we are going with another set of friends for that. So I'm excited. And then um, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be an every weekend kind of thing. I think that that's... (laughs) Just sort of a coincidence, but I do love good comedy. So there's another one in town called Laugh Louisville, and I've not tried anything there. That one's down on 4th Street Live. But yeah, so if you're in Louisville, or even if you're not, maybe you live nearby and you're visiting, check out one of these comedy shows. The the venue's nice, and the drinks are good, and what's not to like? Cool.
1: So we went to a book event last week. God, was it last week? I took. I've taken so many naps this <laughs> summer so far. I've I've lost track of time. It was I, last week. Yes. Okay. And we went to see Meg Schaefer, a writer that we actually know people that she knows. We were a little bit surprised to find that it, it was like a author heavy event.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> The tables have turned. You're pulling a story on me. Yes, there were several writers that we have had on the podcast before. Gwenda Bond and Andrew Schaefer, both New York Times bestselling authors, uh, were there. Um, it was a full house. And the book Wishing Game is getting lots of great buzz. Sounds very... How did she describe it? Willy Wonka... Adults, but Willy books. Wonka for adults, but books instead of chocolate. Yeah, so... Yeah. What's not to like about that? I know.
1: That sounds pretty whimsical and fun. So sounds like that would be a good, you know,
0: summer read, which we'll be talking with Sam more about summer reads. When you're listening this week, there are several authors that Sam talks about their book and we have actually already booked them to be guests on the show. So that's kind of exciting. I don't know if I, I don't know if I should say who they are. Well, you know me. I don't like to
1: I do not like to announce who we've interviewed until the interview is in the can. Because Right.
0: So I'm we're ishes. We and want you to get and superstitious. I'm all the ishes. We're always afraid we're gonna jinx ourselves if we say, even though we have it booked, but you just never know. Things can happen sometimes. We've had things happen before. <laughs> yeah. So we're not gonna tell you which of the people that Sam talks about. Is going to be on the show, but there's a couple and you just have to guess. And when we told Sam, she was pretty excited about it. Yeah. But we always love talking to Sam. I think this is our sixth time having her on the show, talking about summer reads or holiday, you know, gift giving guides. And she always gives great recommendations and she doesn't expect anything in return. Although we did take her to brunch, last year which i think we should make a uh, at least a once a year event yes we should take her to brunch yeah. and, and, and you did make her once a year. terrarium that died yes i made, her, made her another I one i well i well yes i did and that one apparently is living so that's all good but um <laughs> and Sam. she gets and
1: she gets our she gets our undying love and respect
0: that's true what more could you want than our undying love and respect? i don't know i don't know let's talk with Sam.
1: We have our favorite bookseller here today. What day what day is this? June second. School's out.
0: You're just giddy. I, I am. I'm so
1: excited to see Sam, mostly because well, to see Sam, but also because this is really an episode where Amy and I kick back. We do we don't nothing. Have too much work to do, really. We we just go, Sam, go. <laughs> and Sam brings the goods and shares all the summer books that
2: that we might want to check out. So, how are you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, uh, and it's not all the summer books. Obviously, we we could talk for weeks about yeah. all the summer <laughs> books coming out. We're awash in good books always, but it's nice to be here. Although I'm still scratching my head, how is it June already? But yes, here we are talking about summer reading. Awesome. So, let me lead by saying, so far, in contention for my book of the year, The New Ann Patchett, Tom Lake. Really, it is a tall glass of lemonade, and I want to pour everyone a glass. It is so refreshing and wonderful. It comes out in August. Okay. I wish it had been out for Mother's Day because it would have been a perfect Mother's Day hand sell. But it is a like the most warm and fuzzy pandemic story we're likely to get. And that obviously we, we're at the point where in the publishing cycle, like s- books written during the pandemic or about the pandemic are coming out. But this is like two timelines in the present. We're in the in Upper Michigan. All the kids are home, and that we're doing the harvest, and to make the, the time pass while we're doing the harvest, mom is telling the story about when she was young and she had a torrid affair with a now Hollywood star when they were doing summer stock. So you have dual timelines, but it's just it's so terrific and so wonderful. It's just like it's like the best comforting, wonderful read I've read in a long time. Oh wow! So I'm super glad that it's coming out soon, so I can hand sell it to people like crazy.
1: Awesome. Okay, well, see, this This makes me want to know then. You said it's it's in the running for your favorite book of the year. Yes. So what are the other, just because I need to know, what,
2: what well, are the Well, I'm like- just saying it's up there right now. Okay. Like okay. Who knows? We, we still have Early. like, yes, it's Six only June, months. thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. So, but okay. like I said, it's like a tall glass of lemonade. You just drink it down. And you're like, oh, that was so good. So it was a quick read then? Like two days tops, oh, okay. I think.
0: Cool. Well, let's back the train up just a little bit. Okay. We're halfway through 2023. Are there any you know, book trends
2: or anything that you're seeing? Just actually like what I said already was things that feature the pandemic. And it's interesting because, you know, everyone's going to have their own take on it. Sometimes that's the focus of the book. And it's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not as enthused about reading that. (laughs) But sometimes it's just like in Tom Lake, it's just kind of happening tangentially. Like it's off to the side. It's there. This is this family's pandemic experience, which is pretty warm and fuzzy as far as pandemic experiences go. But- it's going to start showing up because that's where we are in time. So it's going to start showing up in a lot of different ways because people had a lot of time on their hands. So they wrote that book and obviously it was on our minds. So it's on was on authors' minds too. All right. So Tom Lake. Yes, okay. look for it. Also, Richard Ford fans who like his Frank Boscom novels, the sports writer and the rest of the series, the final one is coming. It's called Be Mine. It comes out on the 13th of June. And actually, Frank becomes a caregiver, which is kind of surprising if you've read the earlier ones when he was a younger man. And he's kind of facing his own mortality. So I think this is, from what I'm hearing, I've not read it yet. It's like a really good send off to this particular character because it's, you know, we're talking 20 plus years of this character. So wow.
0: And Richard Ford's kind of getting... Up there in years?
2: Up there in years. He's <laughs> kind of following his yes, own Yes, like, exactly right. It's, it's like his avatar. His fictional yeah. avatar almost. Also, Alice Hoffman has a new book for Alice Hoffman fans. She's not as prolific as her fans would like, so that's going to be a big deal. It's called Invisible Hour. It comes out on August 15th. And it's about a young girl who's brought up in a cult where there's no reading, which sounds like the worst oh. possible kind of cult. I mean, be. it feels like... <laughs> that's right. There might be some states that are well exactly. on their way to yes. that. Yes. But anyway, then she stumbles across a copy of The Scarlet Letter, the story of which is very similar to her own life. And then so she becomes completely enamored with Nathaniel Hawthorne. And the book kind of changes her life in interesting ways. Oh, that, that sounds, sounds good. <laughs> that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like cult? Scarlet exactly. Letter? Woo. Well, it sounds very very New Englandy, as yeah. Alice Hoffman likes to do also. Also out now, The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese. It's the latest of the from the author of *Cutting for Stone*, which is the, of course the big, huge bestseller back in the day. It tells the story of three generations of a family in India who's coping with a secret, and it's a big, hefty tome. We're talking seven hundred plus pages. So, if your idea of a good summer read is a big one, <laughs> that might be a good one to explore. It takes the whole summer, <laughs> exactly, or rests really heavy on you <laughs> as you're laying by the pool. Yes,
0: it's uh, a
2: blanket. Yes, like a weighted blanket (laughs) in that case. Uh, Another one that several of my coworkers are already proclaiming as their book of the year already is the new one by James McBride that comes out in August. It's called The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. It's set in 1970s uh, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and two diverse communities, the Jewish community and the Black community, kind of come together and form an unlikely alliance when a skeleton is found during a real estate development. Mm that might have ties to both of their communities. Uh,
0: yeah, that sounds really So
2: my coworkers who've read it like big thumbs up and really big mm-hmm. book of the year energy. Like oh. big going to win all the awards kind of energy. Oh, wow. And
0: I think his heritage, like his dad was black and his mom was yes. white, was she Jewish? If you,
2: if you remember Color of Water, yeah. yes, that mm-hmm. was his first big breakout book about mm-hmm. his mixed race heritage. That is a good question. I don't remember because I read that book when it first came yeah. out, but I don't remember yeah. what her if she was Jewish or not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But he is
2: really good at the historical, as Mm -hmm. we know if you've read uh, Deacon King Kong or any of his other novels. So I'm on the list for that one, but it's being passed around the store. And then one more fiction I wanted to talk about who's a local favorite because she does have local roots is Tanya James. Uh, You may have read her book about elephants called The Tusk That Did the Damage that was out like seven, eight years ago. Her new one is called Loot, and it's about a 19th century mechanical tiger and how its owner tries to recover it from a British museum. So we have a lot of colonialism history. We have a lot of art history, and we're actually having her for a signing on the eighth of July. So we're looking forward to her cool. coming. So, by but the, you would probably really like the tusk that did the damage because okay. it's told from the point of view of an elephant.
0: Oh, mm. I will like that. Mm. When you say a mechanical tiger, are you talking about those, like in Victorian era? They had like these things that that were mechanical that sometimes looked like people, and you could wind them yes. up. Do you know what I'm yes, I know about? what you're talking about. but I can't remember the what they were what called.
2: I believe that is exactly what it is. (laughs) Whatever that word is for that (laughs) thing. (laughs) This is, again, not one I've read, but it gets taken, as many things are taken, when colonizers come to a country and say, oh, this is cool. Let's take this back to our museum. And then this story is about the owner, rifle owner trying to get it back. An automaton.
1: Uh, Ah. Does that
0: sound familiar? That does sound, yes. Yes, it does. Okay. That was in uh, a Brian Selznick book. It's funny. I had never heard of an automaton until like a couple of years ago. And then I read several books that had automatons yeah. in it. There's Please a lot be. of heavy hitters in that. In that, lineup. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. There
2: are a lot of heavy hitters. And obviously, we can only talk about a small fraction of what's yeah. coming out. So this is just me picking and choosing a few juicy ones. There's yeah. lots more, of course. Yeah. Curated by Sam. <laughs> Yes, exactly right. That's why you guys pay me the big bucks.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. An occasional brunch. Like once every four years. I, I work for <laughs> cheap. So summer is always a time
2: when people like to read
0: sometimes lighter books.
2: Yes. Thrillers,
0: romance, things like that. Yes. So what do you have as far as like genre reads?
2: Well, sure. I feel like part of our tradition of talking about summer reads is t- to find what summer reads are. And my book, you know, any book that you want to read in the summertime is a summer read. If you want to take the 700 page <laughs> book to the pool. <laughs> That's good your on you. Read. But some people as you say do like to have something light uh maybe some big, dumb fun. Sure. I've got a dog
0: (laughs) who's big, dumb fun. That should be her nickname.
2: (laughs) But, you know, it's it's sometimes fun, especially if it's something you're going to be dipping in and out of as you're doing other fun things, to have something that's very plot-driven, very propulsive, but maybe that's something that's going to stick with you long-term or, you know, change your life or your belief system. And certainly there's lots of that. Uh, Emily Henry has a new one, and it's actually the first one in hardcover. So I guess that's a step up if you're like paperback originals only, and then you get your first hardcover. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like making it to the show, I think. Uh, oh, that's that could, called happy I think place people don't
0: know that but it seems like especially like a lot of romance. yes exactly
2: are only in paperback yes i don't think i knew that
0: mm-hmm. honestly
2: i never paid attention
0: i'm not sure about All thrillers seem to be hard coming yes hard back.
2: but romance tends to be a little i think because romance has like mass market paperback roots mm. you know mm-hmm. not the current iteration but more like the series iteration or the bodice rippers kind of iteration those are always in paperback especially the harlequins because they would come out with multiple ones every single month, so obviously they were making them as cheaply as they could. So, I think that's where that tradition comes from. Mm. There's certainly like the Ellen Hillen brands and other authors who kind of specialize in books that take place at the beach mm. or at a vacation locale. There's a whole raft of those this year, of course, as they're always in the summertime. Uh, but other mysteries that I think would be good. There's one called "I Didn't Do It" by Jamie Lake Hendricks. It's a murder at a mystery writers conference because who knows the perfect crime better than a bunch of mystery writers. So that sounds super fun. There's also one called Only One Left by Riley Sanger. That one comes out the 20th of June. And it's kind of like a Borden family as in Lizzie Borden. Mm. The last survivor needs a caretaker and they're finally ready to tell the story about what happened during the famous 1929 murders, Ooh. so that caretaker is going to get an earful. Hmm. So. so
0: Riley Sager, yeah, I think we talked about one of his books yes, last year.
2: Yes, we did. So
0: some of these authors, like Emily Henry, comes out with one every exactly summer, and
2: obviously good. that's intentional by the publishers oh, because yeah. they, this is one of the two. Fall is big time for Christmas, and this time of year is big time for summer, and you know you plan your your publishing line accordingly. A couple other mysteries that might be, you know, a little more heavy, if you will. There's the new Arkady Rinko uh, by Martin Cruz Smith. He, of course, did Gorky Park and that whole series. Long time. I yes. remember
0: reading those in my 20s. Exactly.
2: And this kind of like the Richard Ford, this is probably going to be the last one with this character. It's called Independent Square, and it's set now in the present in Ukraine. So Ooh. it's very of the moment. Oh, wow. But also it's probably going to be the farewell to this particular character. As well. And as you said, Amy, it's he's been around a really long time. And if you've ever read them, you know, it's kind of like a John le Carré or like the Mick Heron Slow Horses, like a very smart, very well written spy stuff. So maybe a um, good gift for dad. Yeah.
0: So, okay, so like I, I read the Gorky Park probably 25 years ago at least. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Do you think in order to read this newest one, you need to have...
2: I think probably the full appreciation, yes. Because mm-hmm. that's definitely a character that you've readers have grown with. Mm-hmm. And I think also it would be really interesting from a historical perspective to start back... Mm-hmm. Because we, start, we started with that character in the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And we're ending up in Ukraine right yeah. now, 21st century. So I think... Yeah, if you're inclined to a binge read, maybe this summer that might be a good one. Yeah. Especially if you be, like
0: history, it would be interesting to see the progression from, you know, still communist yes. Russia to to modern day <laughs> to whatever they are now. <laughs> 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 yeah. They're
2: not, but also, uh, as you as we said before, I'm happy to see that these authors are getting the chance to maybe give the these characters the send off they deserve. It's always kind of a bummer if you have like a Sue Grafting kind of situation where they have a big project they're working on and they don't quite get to finish it. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the the fans don't get the the farewell that they would like.
0: Hmm. That's intriguing.
2: Also, one I can vouch for that I've already read by the new Dennis Lahan is called Small Mercies. Uh, It is set in the 70s forced busing struggle in Boston. It is intense. It's a revenge fantasy. It's Ooh. about a mom who takes justice into her own hands after something terrible happens to her daughter. But also because of its virulent racism, I mean, it also kind of sadly seems very of the moment. But it's so well written. I feel like he just gets better and better. And I feel like his television writing has made his novel even better because he was in the writer's room for The Wire, oh. for, Treme, oh, okay. I for didn't know. for that. lots of things. So. Uh, sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Look to you, Carrie. Yay. One that my pal Jonathan can really vouch for, which I'm interested in because I love film noir, is called Titanium Noir. Mm. It's the new Nick Harkaway. It is about a company called Titanium 7 that makes genetically altered elites – and a detective named Cal Sounder, who's the detective who investigates crimes committed by those elites. So kind of Blade Runner vibes, oh. but also apparently is written kind of with classic noir tone. So hmm. it sounds like the best of both worlds to me. And I love those old movies. So I, this was one I could really be on board for. Also, I don't know if you've read Chloe Gong yet. She has started out as a YA writer, but her new one comes out in July, and it's an adult one. It's called Immortal Longings, and it's a sci-fi take on Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra where people can jump bodies.
1: (laughs) And it's the first
2: in a series, which is always like music to genre lovers' ears. Like the first in a
1: series, yes. Cool. Although
2: that's the one thing about like
1: sci-fi and fantasy.
0: I'm like, can we just do one-offs?
1: The so answer to that is couldn't no. I know, yeah. I know,
0: I know, I know, no. And I bet these are, are these thick? Are these thick books?
2: I don't know about *Immortal Longest because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Titanium Noir is not. Oh, okay. The other one I wanted to bring up is the new Rebecca Yaros, Fourth Wing. Oh. Which you're... is super popular, like so popular. I'm recommending it now, but you have to wait because the publisher literally has to make more. But it's a, a drama about a war college for dragon riders. I mean. I
0: it was good. And it's not even my genre. <laughs> there you go. And and then, and, and Nora loved it. Yeah, loved it. And it like it's Nora. so
2: beautiful. And I'm sorry to say that the reprints aren't going to be as pretty as the original, but it had sprayed Edges. edge pages that had dragons on them. And it was just a gorgeous book. Like, even people who are inter- interested in that didn't end up buying it, just wanted to pick it up to admire it because it was so pretty. Yeah. So. yeah. Nora bought one of those before they were out. She was hooked.
0: So I'm on... Oh. I'm on the socials. (laughs) I'm on the interwebs. (laughs) And, I mean, people are going nuts for this book. The way that they were going nuts over Colleen Hoover books, like, a year or two ago, I would recommend that. Even for people who don't think that they like fantasy this it's a good, it's a good entry. It could be a good is. entry. And I say this as a person who does not like maps. And there is a map in the front of the book. And I don't like books generally that have maps. And it is a romanticy. It's a romanticy. There is a so a lot of sexual tension Ooh. in this book. But it's kind of a slow burn. So.
2: Well, it's only book one. So hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe <laughs> you don't want s- to blow everything in I book one. So nonfiction. Obviously, there's lots of nonfiction. Some that caught my eye, there's one by an author called Paul Strathern, and it's called The Other Renaissance, uh, which kind of questions our idea about what the Renaissance is. If you remember back in school, we learned the Renaissance happened in Italy. Mm, Yeah. But no, it happened all over. Mm. And why do we remember it that way? Could it be the Italians were writing the history? (laughs) (laughs) But the printing press, the Lutheran Reformation, Copernicus... That was all happening over other places in Europe during the same time. So this book kind of flips the narrative on what we think of or Mm. what we learned in school about what the Renaissance was or was not. Interesting. Um, There's also a fun one coming, especially if it's going to be super hot. And it's going to be 90 today already. So maybe we all need to invest in this book. It's called Ice by Amy Brady. And the subtitle is From Mixed Drinks to Skating Rinks. Mm. So it's like a cultural history – like the surprising and unexpected cultural history of ice. Hmm. So could be perfect for those muggy Ohio River summer days. <laughs> when you're wishing that you could sit in a vat uh, yeah, exactly. of ice. ice yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's also one that just came out called The Soldier's Truth by David Crissinger. It's about Ernie Pyle, the, the war journalist. And it actually makes the argument that Putting war journalist in front of his name is actually quite unfair, that he just should be known as a great journalist Mm. and not have war journalist. Obviously, that's what he's known for. That's what he did most of his career. That's what he dedicated his life doing. But this book is making the argument that we should just call him a great journalist Mm. because he earned it. So again, might be great for the vet in your life or if your dad is into military history. That
0: totally sounds like a dad book. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, There's also another one I can personally vouch for that I read called Monsters by an author named Claire Detterer. This was actually book came from her viral essay that came out in the Paris Review a couple years ago, called What to Do with the Art of Monstrous Men. Mm. And so she's tackling the thorny question that I, for one, have been struggling with as a consumer of art, which is, what do you do if you find out the artist whose work that you love is a terrible person, or worse, a predator? What should your response be? And like she tackles that Question from a bunch of different angles, taking in a bunch of different artists and, you know, sort of comes up with the same conclusion that I have, which is as gross as it sounds, it's kind of what you can stomach Mm -hmm. and what your ability to separate enjoying the art from knowing too much in a time where biography is everywhere how do you compartmentalize? Hmm. And it's a really interesting, thorny – I keep saying it, it feels like a discussion you'd have with a friend where someone ends up pounding the table yeah. because they get so yeah. so hyped up about what you're talking about. Yeah. It's very interesting. And it's, it's
0: – you know, in the age that we live in now, we know so much more exactly. than we probably need to or should about people, all people. But with the type of artists that you're talking about, I mean – in the 1900s, regular right, exactly, consumers yes. or readers didn't know these things about the people producing the books mm-hmm. and the art. You know, it was maybe maybe their close friends.
2: Exactly. Or, or someone happens. who was unfortunate enough to get involved exactly. with them discovered exactly. it. So, exactly. Yes. So, you know, part
0: of it is a product of us just being overwhelmed with information. information. exactly.
1: So as far as this book, are the chapters like on different artists?
2: Yes. Okay. And there's some, some unsurprising people, you know. Let's talk about Rowan Polanski. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Woody Allen. Let's talk about Got Michael you. Jackson. Okay. But also some interesting women that she talks about, too. And it's interesting the way, uh, you know, that gets brought up, too. Like, how the lens of how we judge men and women is different and how that, you know, comes into play. Like I said, it feels like an argument with a good friend. Hmm. It's like film. Yes. Artists, art, of, all, all, artists writers. of all stripes. Yes, okay. exactly. Cool. cool.
0: That sounds it is, interesting. Because sound that interesting. is an issue that I... I struggle with
2: to her credit i think I, at least i found as a reader that like no. she concludes like there's no easy answer it's yeah. like there's not one and there's not one answer that is going to be right for everybody right
1: well i i gave my son you know he's 15 he had to read different books for his English class. And so one of the books that I suggested he read, because one of the categories was, it was published in the year you were born. So I suggested he read the Diary of a Part-Time Indian Mm -hmm. by Sherman Alexie, Mm -hmm. which Sherman Alexie, there's been all sorts of information that's come out about him, but the book is good and it's short and it's going to be something that my 15 year old boy is, and he did, he really enjoyed it, you know? And so I'm like, you sometimes make, choices about yes. your reading because there's maybe something valuable in the art even if the artist is
2: yes or or worse are you consuming it in a way that's not benefiting them like right. if you get the book from the library right does that make it different right mm, right <sighs> yeah. makes my head hurt <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated it's it's like not- they say on facebook <laughs> yeah. moving on to memoir and bio one of the big new releases comes out next week uh page boy by elliot page oh. So lots of interest in this, obviously. I think it's going to be the new big memoir, the biggest one since Prince Harry's. Mm. And obviously they're talking about their journey as a trans person and how it felt to get success looking and being one way when you feel like you are the other. And then how do you turn that around? How do you find yourself without losing the thing that you worked so hard to build? Right. Mm. So, I have not read it. There weren't advanced copies made available, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to say. Yeah, Mm -hmm. One I can vouch for that I've already read is the new Lucinda Williams memoir called Don't Tell Anybody the Secrets I Told You. I've been a huge Lucinda Williams fan for a long time, even before Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. It's just to get my, <laughs> my cred out there. And there's a little bit of gossip. Obviously, she's been in the industry a really long time, so she probably knows tons of things. But it's more about her childhood and how it was kind of nomadic childhood, her... Father was the poet Miller Williams, who read at the Bill Clinton inauguration. Hmm. And her mother was unfortunately mentally ill. So that caused a lot of strife and problems in their family and her growing up. So it's more about those sorts of things and how it feels to be an iconoclast woman in an industry that's built on, literally built on labels hmm. and how, you know, she's kind of forged her own way. There's a little bit of gossip. <laughs> But it's mostly just a study about her life and how she came to be artists we know. Another memoir that I really, really loved is called Meet Me Tonight in Atlantic City. It's by a poet named Jane Wong. And I love, love, love memoirs by poets because you get all of the candor, but told poetically, which is like the best of both worlds as far as I'm concerned. But she was grew up on the Jersey Shore as a Chinese restaurant baby. And this memoir tells a story about how she started from those roots to become an educator and a poet, and it's like a valentine to her parent. Uh, has mouth-watering food descriptions Ooh. that will make you hungry. <laughs> it's Amy soul. Yeah, it's <laughs> beautiful, and I love it. And I was happy to get to meet her when I went to Winter Institute in February. And because she's an educator, I asked her to give me a writing prompt when she signed my book. So, Jane, if you're listening, I'm still working on it. <laughs> Another new one for historian fans, King, A Life, which is about the new book about Dr. Martin Luther King uh, by Jonathan Eng, who's previously written about Muhammad Ali. It's a fresh take, and he had benefits from having – there's been hundreds and hundreds of documents that have been released by the FBI and the CIA about Dr. King. And so he had access to those where previous biographers did not. So there's lots more information about those sorts of things in his book. And I feel like most reviewers are saying that's a very clear-eyed look at Dr. King, both the positive and the negative, and kind of gives a little bit back as far as maybe he's become a little bit of a defanged hero. Mm. And this kind of puts – again, puts a new light on it and reminds us how radical he was and how at the time of his death he was actually very hated and not
0: idealized
2: or revered at all. So, you know, it kind of – benefits from the uh, a fresh look mm-hmm. so again this might be one that we see at award season at least that's the way the reviews are shaping up interesting and w- another one i wanted to mention as far as memoir and bio one of my favorites samantha irby has a new book quietly hostile <laughs> um, if you've never read samantha irby you should treat yourself she is an african-american queer woman who has written for lots of tv shows like sex in the city but she also has chronic illnesses, so she has a very wry sense of humor. Many people want to refer to her as like the female David Sedaris. Oh, <laughs> but she's unafraid to talk about—I mean, everything. So, and the readers really benefit from her candor. So, if you're looking for like a sharp, well-written, funny essays, look for Samantha Irby. And what was that title again? Quietly hostile. I like that title.
0: Carrie's <laughs> <laughs> a little quietly. I'm a hostile. little quietly hostile, or maybe not so quietly. Right. <laughs>
2: Shocking. <laughs> as far as cookbooks, some reading. It doesn't necessarily think of cookbooks. But there are a couple I wanted to mention that are brand new. Uh, Alison Roman has a new one about desserts called Sweet Enough. If you remember from the pandemic, uh, Alison Roman had the pasta and the cookie. Uh, she wrote for the New York Times cookie book for... Uh, many, many years. And so th- her new one is specifically about desserts, but it's about like grown up type desserts. If you've read her other cookbooks, you know she really is not into like sticky sweet things. So it's more desserts for people who uh, would like a little something sweet, but not things with frosting, for example. Mm.
0: I like a frosting sometimes.
2: <laughs> no.
0: Well, I
1: think the thing we, we've had discussions about like extra, like how yes. desserts have become. Rather than just being a dessert, it's like this big sugar monstrosity and I don't like that. So it sounds like this would be She
2: wouldn't like that either. Okay. Friends who have read her for a long time know she's about like minimalist stuff because she lives in New York. Like there was a a, one of the most famous articles she ever wrote for the New York Times was about making a full Thanksgiving dinner and her tiny studio apartment and what that looked like. So yeah, she's more about what's accessible, what's kind of easy to do. But also, like, high quality. Also, I wanted to mention, with an eye towards Father's Day and actually grilling season, uh, Aaron Franklin of the Pitmaster from Austin, Texas, has a new one called Franklin Smoke. Uh, This one is not strictly just about barbecue. It's about anything that you can cook over fire. So there's actually vegetables and other things in there, too. Hmm. And then there's one by Claire... Patek, she was actually the woman who made megan and Harry's wedding cake, oh, and mm-hmm. she has her first cookbook out. It's called "Love Is a Pink Cake." Mm-hmm. So, if you do like frosting, <laughs> this might you be like the a, one for you. I feel like
0: a little frosting.
2: It's also lavishly illustrated. So, if you're maybe uh, you know getting your sugar fix from looking at pictures <laughs> of sugar, that might be a good one to consider as well.
0: So, I'm thinking like people who like the Great British. Exactly right. Yes, this would
2: be a book that they might like. Ex- yes, exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And then as far as local things, you guys always press me like, what's, what's new in local? What's new in Kentucky We're, books? Tell well, us, yes, Sam. Yes. Frank Bill, who lives in southern Indiana and writes Gritlet, has a new book out called Back to the Dirt. It's his story of Vietnam loosely told in fiction. It, t- it takes place in two timelines, one during the war and one 21st century now where the veteran has come back to Appalachia in the 21st century with all... Appalachia's 21st century problems. So it's a dual timeline. We did have an event with him that was very well attended. And our own vet on store staff, Dave, in fact, the only Vietnam vet I know personally, vouches for this book big time and thought it might be his book of the year. So
1: wow, okay.
2: Another new one, Chris Offit, who has written many mysteries. He has a new one in his mystery series, the McHarden Gritlit series. It's called Code of the Hills. It's out now. So if you've enjoyed those other books, again, a a look at Appalachia today. And then the Louisville Story Program, who we love, who we always want to support their work because they focus on underheard voices in our community and they want to amplify them. Uh, They have a new one about the Russell neighborhood, and it's called If You Write Me a Letter, Send It Here.
0: I also want to mention, Carrie and I went to an event at Carmichael's for Meg Schaefer and her new book called The Wishing Game. It sounded great. I I have a copy and I'm anxious to, to dive in. It sounds was, like fun,
1: whimsical. I mean, it sounds like it's like a lot of childhood book references. So, yeah, sounds good.
0: It's, it looks like it's getting, you know, on the interwebs
2: from what I can tell. Yes, getting <laughs> you good and fun. the yes. interwebs. The interwebs. You're all over it. Yes, and we're also lucky enough that she's our neighbor so you can get signed copies and we're functioning as like people her fans from all over the country can reach out to us at Carmichael's and get signed copies so Mm -hmm. yes no it was a terrific event and much laughter i also wanted to bring up a new book by willie edward taylor carver jr Ah. who was an educator of the year you may remember a few years ago for kentucky he actually went to the House of Representatives to speak, and then he left education, and now this is his first collection of poetry, which is about his life growing up as a gay man in Appalachia. It's called Gay Poems for Red States. And then he's going to be in conversation at Carmichael's on June 23rd with another author named Stacy Jane Grover, who has a new book called Tar Hollow Trans, which is also about growing up gay in the Appalachia. So we look forward to that event. I think his poetry is terrific. My favorite poem in the collection so far, I've not read it in its entirety, is called Hard to Take Seriously, which is about when he was going to participate in a contest, like a speech contest. And so he had a piece he was memorizing. And so he worked super hard and he was practicing in the mirror and he was practicing in front of family members, practicing in front of the dog, like anyone who would listen. And then he goes and he does a great job or he feels like he does a great job. And then he hears the judge's comments, which were, it's hard to take seriously with an accent like that. Oh. Oh. So, I mean, it's just, they're, they're terrific poems. Oh. They really are. And I'm really looking forward to seeing and meeting him in person, shaking his hand, and hearing the the poems read aloud. Yeah. You should go to that. I think it's going to be a great event. I can't I go will. to that. <laughs> okay. I will. I will go. Okay. 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 Just a few kids things I wanted to mention, because obviously we don't live kiddos out of the equation. They have summer reading, which we're happy to help them with at Carmichael's. But also, hopefully they'll be reading for fun, too. And one of the favorite ones lately of staff is the new Dave Eggers, which is a middle grade title called Eyes and the Impossible. And it's about a dog named Johannes. <laughs> he lives in an urban park and it's his job to be the free dog taking notes for all the captive animals, especially he reports back to the captive buffalo. They're in charge of this park. So he gives them the lowdown on what's going on. Hmm. So it's told from the dog's point of view. It's so fun. It's such He has such a great voice. And if you love to run fast, you will love this book because Johannes also loves to run fast. <laughs> and he loves to talk about how much he loves to run fast.
0: I have a dog like that. Okay, I'm confused, though. Where's this captive
2: buffalo? So it's an urban park. Yeah. It's like a zoo.
0: Oh, it's a he, zoo. Like a, like a, well,
2: it's not put in those words, right. but yes. Or, like, I like to think about it because I lived in Ann Arbor for a while. If you go to Domino's Farms, they have captive buffalo there, just, like, grazing, just, like, a little preserve. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I yeah. was <laughs>
0: confused. I was imagining a dog park, but then with a buffalo in it, and I'm like, wait.
2: <laughs> that would be confusing. <laughs> I'm not sure those would actually mix well in No, life. I don't think so. But on the page, it's fantastic. And we love Dave Eggers because he's an independent store champion. He's a champion of literacy. So we're always interested in supporting whatever Dave Eggers does. But fortunately for us, he's also really talented. And this book is super fun. So even if you don't really read middle grade, if middle grade's not your jam, or maybe if you have a reluctant reader who loves animals, mm-hmm. this would be a great read for them. And what's it called again? It's called Eyes and the Impossible. Okay.
0: Like- EYEs. Eyes,
2: what you okay. see you with. Yeah. Okay. And it's fun because it came out in two different editions. One, just a regular paperback, but we also have a hardcover edition that has a die cut wooden cover, oh. which is very beautiful. Cool.
0: Is that like I know one time he did an edition that was just for independent bookstores. Exactly it, like, right. A similar thing. It is. Okay.
2: Hmm. And proceeds from that benefit his literacy work. He has the leverage to make some special deals to help causes he believes in, which is. Good for him. Yeah. I tried to read a Dave Eggers.
1: Does he write, tend to write like a little stream of consciousness?
2: Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. his books very differently. So, like, if you've read, you know, the memoir, a Staggering Work of Heartbreaking Genius. But then you read Z-Town, it's almost like a different author. Okay. The styles are completely different. They're both very well written because he's a great writer. But he doesn't really have a discernible style okay. over his entire canon of work. Maybe I need to reinvestigate and maybe this middle grade book would
1: be a good, a good starter for me or restarter. I think, yes, I think so. Okay.
2: okay. And it's just like one of those middle grade books that could cut a wide swath as far as even adults who don't normally dabble in that would enjoy it. You know, kiddos would love it. There's a little something for everybody in it, and everyone gets a little something different out of it. Another picture book I wanted to recommend. Picture books aren't generally associated with summer reading per se, but I love Jesse Seema so much that I wanted to mention that Weather Together is out. And it's the third book in their series about uh, the narwhal and unicorn friends. (laughs) And in this one, Nimbus is struggling with sadness. Nimbus is the Pegasus, who's not quite narwhal which was the first book in the series, and their unicorn friend Kelp helps them. It's kind of interesting. The first two were about finding your your friend group. And then this one kind of takes a heavier turn, but it really works because we have the first two books to know what Nimbus and Kelp are like and what their society is like. So it really makes the, the message about depression that much stronger, in my opinion. And also it's really nice to see a picture book Book about depression, because sometimes the kiddo books about those things tend to be so on the nose that they aren't any fun to read. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this isn't really helping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it might explain what the depression is, but it doesn't really help. Right. Whereas, like, I feel like a charming story with really great illustrations, mm-hmm. like, would make it a lot better. Yeah.
0: Well, I know that Carmichael's has a few like big events coming up. Stephen Rowley, who wrote The Gunkle, has yes. a new book coming out called yes. The Celebrants. Uh, he'll be at the library, but Carmichael's is co-hosting. Yes. That.
1: Yes. That's like next week, isn't it? It is. The, yes.
0: I think actually the day we air this. That- but his, his husband also has a new book out called Big Gay Wedding. Hmm. I think it's his debut novel. Byron Lane. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds really fun. It is about a gay couple who's going to get married in one of their hometowns. It's in a small town in Louisiana and you know it's a little bit like schitt's creek a little bit anyway it sounds like a lot of fun to me so anyway i'm looking forward to the Stephen rowley event it should be a good one
1: okay sam you've done your work okay but it's not over yet you still have a little bit more work to do but let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about what we're reading
0: back with our summer episode with Sam Miller, our favorite bookseller who works at Carmichael's bookstore and with Carrie. And we're going to talk about what we're reading. So Carrie, what are you going to tell us about today? I am going to talk about a book that
1: Sam actually talked about. I don't remember when it was. I don't know if it was last summer, Christmas, Christmas before. I don't know. We, we've done this for a while now, but you recommended it. It's Woman Eating by Claire Coda. Do you yes, remember this? I remember this. And you even said when I came in to buy it, you're like, ooh, I was very excited <laughs> when I saw you picking that book up. So this story is a pretty quick read. It's it's not a huge, long book. But it's about a character named Lydia, and she is a 23-year-old vampire. So not only is she a vampire, she's also of mixed race. And that is kind of an interesting the fact that she's part human, part vampire and also of mixed race. her mom, I think was Malaysian, her dad, there's a lot of a lot of ancestry that she's pulling from and and it's an interesting book because it's talking about how she's sort of in the middle in a lot of different aspects of her life. So she's an artist and she's, she's very young. She's trying to figure out sort of where she fits like in this professional world. And her, her dad has died. I think he died before she was born. Her mom is sort of like, you wouldn't think that vampires would be doing this, but her, it's almost like her mom is having dementia. So her mom's in a home. Anyway, she's got a lot of complications in her young life. And it's cerebral, but it talks a lot about the people who aren't vampires who may prey on us, and especially on young women. So there's a lot of big ideas going on in this short book. But I started reading it, and I immediately thought of a friend of mine who loves art and loves vampires. And I was like, you've got to read this book. If you like vampires, if you like short books with a lot of impact, I think that woman eating
0: this is not the, a vampire book though for people who just are like genre horror readers necessarily
1: no but she's sort of fighting this desire in herself to want to feed it's not just this vampire is all up in her head and she never i mean it's called woman eating so and she's talking about how she really wishes that she could eat human food And she even tries to drink milk at this one point in the book. Don't give your vampire milk, you know. Uh, Making a note, just so you know, lactose intolerant (laughs) vampires. But it's it's a suspense and like, okay, is she is she? Because her mom has only given her pig's blood for her whole life, and her mom actually turned her into a vampire when she was an infant like she was three days old. Like a lot of stuff going on in this book. And it gives you a lot to think about. You think it's like, oh, this is a vampire book, but it's really about a lot more than just a straightforward vampire story. So I give it four stars, Sam. So you're welcome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Also, I would say to people listening, and I appreciate you saying that, Carrie, that that kind of feedback is like fuel for booksellers. So if you have a relationship with your local bookseller where they recommend things to you, or maybe you've walked in the bookstore and you saw a Shelf Talker and then you bought that thing, next time you're in the store, tell the bookseller that you love the book. We love to hear that. And sometimes like that can be the, uh, like a day turnarounder. Like that can be like, I did it, yes. Because yeah. we feel a sense of satisfaction that you bought the book. Mm-hmm. Like we felt like, yes, they asked for this and I found something for them. But what's even better is when you come back and say, that was fantastic. Nail on the head. Yeah. Now what do you got for me? Yes, please do that. Yeah. The bookstores where you shop, please do that. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, Sam, you've told us lots of books that are on the horizon. You've told us Tom Lake, a book that maybe is in the running for your top book of the year. But what, what else have you been reading that
2: you want to share with us? Right now, I'm reading the new Megan Abbott. And you guys know I'm a huge Megan Abbott fan because I've talked about her before. Probably ad nauseum, but her new one is called Beware the Woman, and it's great for me especially because it is like a mix of Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca mm. with Sirius Rosemary's Baby vibes. Oh, wow. But it's also set in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I lived in Michigan for 10 years, so it's like there's Euchre, there's Blue Moon ice cream, there's all sorts of UP things thrown in there too so it's like the best of all possible worlds for me so i'm halfway through it it's fantastic as all of her work is i'm super stoked for it she's actually gonna write the movie which is i'm great and looking forward to that she's also apparently been hired to write i don't know if you guys saw the movie safe Mm -hmm. it's a very good todd haynes movie with julianne moore as the star. She has also been hired to write that as a television series. So everything's coming up roses for Megan Abbott. So not only does Sam Miller like her book, but lots of other good <laughs> stuff is happening.
0: I mean, that was enough right there. <laughs> no, I don't know. Her book.
2: Okay. I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> uh, well, Sam, I'll tell you about a book that you recommended and I read and I liked. Lady in the Lake by Laura Lippman.
2: Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> My mom read that and liked it because oh. she heard that episode. Well, Laura Lippman also has a new one coming. I hate to say, but it has a terrible title, but I understand why. It's called Prom Mom. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it's a, actually, it's a very smart, interesting book because it's about a prom mom. Obviously, someone who gives birth at the prom, didn't know they were pregnant, oh, goes into oh. the bathroom at prom, has the baby. Oh, wow. That's not what I was expecting. But this is set in the present. Then, you know, she comes back to town after being away for a while. And then, you know, things ensue. Tell your Laura Lippmann fans to look for it. Hmm. I don't like the title either, but I understand why they chose that title. But what sounds like trash is certainly not. It's high quality Laura Hmm. So I was
1: not
0: expecting that direction for (laughs) Prom Mom.
1: That's not where I was going. Interesting.
0: All right. The one I'm going to talk about is it's a thriller. This one I really enjoyed. It's called. Did Sam recommend it? She did not. No. Oh, you can recommend it, it to, to me. me. <laughs> I found it on my own. Uh, it's called "The Disinvited Guest" by Carol Goodman. Have you heard of her? I have not. Okay. Well, apparently, she won the Mary Higgins Clark Award a few times. But this is a thriller. It it's interesting. It touches on a couple of different things we've talked about. It's set about ten years past the COVID pandemic, and another pandemic comes. There's a group of friends from college and also the main character's sister and their family owns this island off the coast of Maine that's very remote and you can only get there by boat. They decide to all go to this island to wait out this new pandemic that happens 10 years later. And you know, as as happens on remote islands, people start dying, right? <laughs> it's very common. <laughs> it's very common. But the main character, the man His high school girlfriend died on this island. He never talks about this girlfriend and his current wife doesn't really know anything about this girlfriend and is imagining that she died from the original COVID virus. There's a little bit of a Rebecca-esque feel to it, like... It's almost like she's, you know, this former girlfriend is like haunting the island. There's also, you get some history from 100, 125 years ago when the main character's great, great grandfather was a physician. And this island used to be a quarantine island from these Irish boats that were coming over with Irish immigrants. And they had typhus. So they had to stay on this island and not go to the mainland until they could make sure that they were cured. This this island's supposed to be haunted. So there's an Agatha Christie-esque piece to it, sort of like that, you know, we're all on this island and we can't get off kind of thing. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. Now, when, after I uh, finished and I looked on Goodreads, it got very mixed reviews. I mean, you definitely have to suspend disbelief about some things, but they were things that I guess didn't matter that much to me, or maybe they did matter more to other people. But I thought the fact that it was like another pandemic 10 years after... The first pandemic was kind of an interesting setup, and I liked I liked that it was off of Maine because I love Maine and the history of the Irish boats coming in. Anyway, I liked all of that. I liked all of it. <laughs> I think that this author, she's written several books. This one was published last summer. I think she's got a new one coming out this summer. I don't know the name of it. Anyway, this one's called The Disinvited Guest by Carol Goodman. Hmm.
1: Very good. All right. Two more books to add to
0: my list. We're gonna go and then we're gonna try something new with you, Sam. Very <laughs>
2: Do I now want to be the disinvited guest?
0: <laughs> it's not bad, we promise. We'll be back in just a moment. What are we gonna sock it to Sam? We're, sock it to Sam. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, we'll be right back.
1: We're back with our favorite bookseller. Sam Miller. Sam. All right. These are rapid fire. Just first thing that comes to your comes to your mind.
0: What item do you own that you should throw out?
2: My Japanese card maker.
0: What's a Japanese card maker?
2: It's a machine I got in the 90s that actually takes actual flash bulbs, like old school camera flash bulbs. And you, you can print your own cards. It's super cool. And I was very into it. Then, but now the supplies are so expensive to get because obviously you have to get them from Japan. They don't even make the machine anymore. I just need to let that go. Mm. That was interesting. (laughs) I've never even heard of that. (laughs)
1: Okay, that was interesting. Okay, cobbler
2: or pie? Pie. That's like a. That's a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) What flavor? I'm a fruit pie fan. So, like at Thanksgiving, if the choice is only pecan and or pumpkin, I'm kind of at last. <laughs> yeah. I don't really like the traditional Thanksgiving pies. I like a fruit pie. Mm. Okay. Favorite fruit pie? Do you have a favorite fruit pie? The one in front of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Favorite amusement park activity. This is summer after all.
2: I get motion sickness very easily, so those little teacup things, I did throw up at Kings Island as a small child which traumatized me greatly. But I don't really have an issue, that much of an issue with heights. So, like, maybe, like, a Ferris wheel, especially if it looked down over everything, would probably be my jam. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like a baby roller coaster, but I don't really enjoy the stomach drop feeling. So, like, Racer, for locals who are familiar with King's Island, like, Racer is the most intense roller coaster I've ever been on. I've never did the Beast. I've never been to Disney to do any of those roller coasters. Never been to any of the other famous roller coasters. So...
1: You know what my favorite amusement park activity is?
2: Sitting on the bench watching other people ride and eating elephant ears. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's valid. Very good. City mouse or country mouse? Probably city mouse. City mouse. Okay. I'd like to. I like to visit the country, but every time I visit for too long, then I'm like, oh, I really wouldn't want to live here. Yeah.
0: Carries a little about. I need to be <laughs> ten minutes from a target. I do. That's my. That's my motto. Okay. Favorite childhood cartoon? Bugs Bunny. I would say that too. Would you?
1: Although I really like the what were they? The Power Twins. Power Twins activate, right? You remember that Saturday morning? Yeah, yeah. I remember
0: what you're talking about, but something the- League. Something. Oh, the Justice
2: League. Justice League.
0: Isn't that it? Isn't that where they in Justice League. League? No,
2: no, I don't think so. Oh,
0: okay. Power Tw- I don't
2: know. Mine I'd have to ask was Scooby Doo. Oh, I do like a Scooby Doo. I- you had, had it like kids. Yeah. It yeah. has a dog. Of course. Yeah. But every, every, time, <laughs> every time. And it's funny because I'm a huge Turner classic movie fan. Like that station is frequently on in our house and they've recently fallen under the Warner brothers umbrella. Mm-hmm. So they have been showing some of the old Warner brothers cartoons. So I've revisited some bugs and other of that stables things I haven't seen since maybe since I was a child. And I was like, these are so, so freaking educational. Oh, yeah. It's like everything I know about opera, I learned from, <laughs> what's opera, da? It's like you watched it as a kid and you laughed because it was funny, but now looking back as an adult, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. I know what that is the, because the I, I watched, Valkyrie. yes, yeah. I know what that is because I watched Bugs Bunny.
1: <laughs> and I just saw something because it is June now, it's Pride Month, and it showed Bugs Bunny in all his various stages of drag. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was
2: like, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah come on did we all of us are trans because we watch Bugs Bunny no. come on
2: just how many horse books did I read as a young girl but disappointingly I never once turned into a horse <laughs> 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 right. or,
1: or for me even somebody who can ride a horse <laughs> come on all right have you had enough Sam I did I did put this one on the list and maybe it's like oh any or
2: outie any okay are and there outies
0: anymore? I would think that there still they're are. Probably still are, but I don't. Is it just a
2: like a doctor thing?
0: I think I don't it's know. the way that they tied the umbilical cord.
1: Yeah, I think. And like, what do? You, what about people who are just like flat? They're not any or outie. The mind blows. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah,
1: I don't even. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. I'm like, is it the doctor or is it the way it heals?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like I. You guys, are, just, you guys are moms. Asking. I can ask Chris, but I, don't,
0: I don't think it's something I should text him. What is the
2: difference between an any and an Audi. I must know right now. We're, yeah, but we're recording. I need a quick answer to this. If you can't text your doctor husband about that, I mean, what good what is a doctor be? husband, really?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Sam.
1: Well, once again, thanks for being here with us. It's always fun to see you and chat books and innies and outies and <laughs> all the
2: other weird stuff we talk about. My pleasure. Thank you for once again having me.
1: For show notes for any episode, go to our website at
0: com. We're also on Instagram at Perks of being a Book Lover Pod and on Facebook at perksatbeingabooklover. We're thankful that you decided to spend an hour with us today listening to us talk about books. If you'd like what we're doing with the show, tell a friend so other people can also spend an hour with us. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio
1: station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there live or in archives at forwardradio.org.